0: Okay, welcome to episode 55 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. My name's Tony Esmond, co-publisher at Tribute Press and also a comics writer. Today we have the second appearance of a creator with all the skills, writer, editor, artist, letterer and more. It's Suffolk Zone, Kenneth Reynolds. How you doing, Ken? Hi. I'm not too bad, how are you? Good man, good. It's um, We've just had the sort of news that everything's changing again around lockdown, so we're going to continue the podcast. It keeps going, keeps on rolling, so that's good. Uh, Did you,
1: is, is, does this podcast die as soon as the world becomes better?
0: Well, it dies <laughs> if I get a life. Do you know what I mean? That's how it works. You know, I actually leave the house, oh, go go rebel. go to another phone party, whatever it is I do, and you know, have disco biscuits <laughs> at the weekend. So probably it will never die, because I won't do that. There you go. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of phone parties, aren't you, in Suffolk?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I do remember me and my brother went to Ibiza once, the only phone party that I've ever um, been anywhere near. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I only remember it because I stayed well away from it Oh, my brother got drenched Definitely. And we had to walk around the whole bay Because no taxi driver would let him in their bloody car
0: <laughs> I never realised you were such a raver
1: Look at that No, yeah, I was young and impressionable <laughs> <laughs> Right, so,
0: big week Not only have I recorded three podcasts this week But we've also I <laughs> know, oh, I don't know how that happened But the, um, we've also sort of fallen into talking about Quite a big subject something that you and I have been texting each other all week about, I'd like to add. Um, so what have you chosen for us to talk about this weekend?
1: I have chosen to talk about black dog by Dave McKean, or I should say black dog, the dreams of Paul Nash by Dave McKean. Yeah. that's a full And title. yeah, the reason I chose it is because I needed an excuse to read it. <laughs> um, it sounds like a really odd thing, but I was, I think I was listening to, I was listening to your podcast, um, it was the Arkham Asylum one. I can't. Uh, I'm Oh I can't remember yeah. Who you remember okay. It yeah. It was with Helena. Uh, re- that's right. Yeah. And I I recalled you mentioning it in that, and it's literally on a shelf right next to my desk. <laughs> <laughs> and as you mentioned it, my eyes just strayed towards it, and I thought, Do you know, what? I have, I've I've owned it, it because I've got the posh collector's edition that the Lakes produced, like oh, the okay. very first one. Yeah. So is with that with the sort
0: of die cut cover? Yes.
1: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It's got this cardboard die-cut cover with a load of art on it, Yeah, and uh, it's 148 of 300, my one, and it's got a nice little signature from Dave McKean on it. Nice. And it it has literally been sat in a nice plastic bag uh, sitting on various shelves since I bought it. Can you remember where you bought it and when? Was was it at an event or something? No, I got it I I remember I think you were talking about it a lot, and obviously there was a lot of hyper... uh, at the lakes, and it yeah. was the because uh, cin- it was the centenary, wasn't it? It was the, War- right. the Great War centenary, and um, I think I just heard a lot about it. And I've always loved Dave McKean He's, he's sort of one of my favorite. He's one of my favorites for various reasons. Yeah. Um, and this limited edition oh. came out. I think it was a good. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you. I think it was. Uh- Sorry, that was my wife. That's no, fine. Don- That's don- don't worry. She's gonna- she can sneeze. <laughs> yeah, it's <instantly>, nice, sorry. <laughs> There's no editing on this one. No, don't edit Don't be silly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, what was it? Yeah, and I saw it, I think I bought it through page 45 in the end. Oh, okay. Which we're not, not yeah. going to get into that tonight. <laughs>
0: no. As much as they're a good shop,
1: I know I haven't got a problem with them. But yeah, I know some people don't like it, but there you go. Yeah. But I think it was the only place pretty much that you could get this edition of it online without buying it in person. Because of his association with the lakes, I would assume.
0: Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, and it's sat so, there. Is it? Is it almost like too precious to read? Was it like?
1: you no, Never found the, really the right moment
0: to read it. Maybe or.
1: No, I'm. I'm not really precious about. Um, uh. Like cracking a spine, or do, do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I love books as objects, and I have some very beautiful books that. I think I've only got one book where I've only read the first chapter of it. I've got a special edition lord of the rings and it's like this vellum paper that is right. so like an old bible it's really easy to rip yeah <laughs> and i've tried reading that and i just thought i'm just going to ruin it by reading it <laughs> but generally i'm not really that precious about things i think it's just i have you ever had Have you ever bought something and you just know that you're going to enjoy it
0: yeah so you put it absolute, off slightly yeah yeah
1: an absolute certainly i've always known that i will love this book and I think I've just been trying to find an excuse to, or make space for the experience. I guess it sounds really wanky. No, no, I get it? you,
0: man. No, then there's a psychologist who'll play with that for hours. I'm sure. But uh, yeah. the fact that you 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 know you're going to enjoy something, but you put off doing it, there's um, there's there's a kink there somewhere, my friend. You know, <laughs> quite, but it's certainly a comic reader kink, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's uh,
1: yeah yeah, it's like I don't know. I nothing's particularly. I don't know. I wonder if part of me has just been thinking, I'll, I'll save that for when I need something really good. But, I mean, yeah. nothing's really bad at the minute. <laughs> and like I said, I think I just suggested it to you to finally think, it is about time I read that now.
0: Yeah, and I didn't realise you hadn't read it when you said it. It's only later in the week that when you you were, I know you were tweeting a bit about it, and you were you're messaging me about it and saying, you know, wow, that's, this, this, this is amazing, in <laughs> it, which it is, you know. It um, is. My history of the book is is a, is a slightly weird one. Is um, I got sent, I was writing for Down the Tubes at the time, and John Freeman, our buddy, he sent it to me, and said, "Do you fancy reviewing this?" Which was quite a coup actually, because I I wasn't the longest standing writer there, and um, this was a biggie. You know, it's one mm. one of the big ones that we got to see early, and not everyone did. And I I decided not to write a review. I decided to describe my uh, my relationship with the book and my experience in reading it and I wrote it up. I remember reading it. Oh, thank you man. Cheers. And I I wrote it up and um the the Guardian had an embargo. I believe I believe this is right the way Johnny described it to me. The Guardian had an embargo on the book where they um they got the first review out, which I never knew existed, but apparently does. Um in some agreement with the 1418 society or the Lakes or someone. And I wrote this and sent it to John and John liked it and he, so he sent it through the chain of command to the creator and the creator said no you can publish it, which was quite nice.
1: Oh, mm.
0: yeah. I was quite chuffed with that. Because I suppose it also wasn't a review. Maybe that's how we got it under the wire. Do you know what I mean? Um, although we did show images from the book. And then I went to... Yeah,
1: but it was, all, it was very much about how it affected you. It was more a story about yeah. you than the book, wasn't it? Yeah, it's all about I'll me, mate. You know that. That's, uh, <laughs> <that's>, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I then went to... I think it was either the Lakes or Lancaster. I can't remember where it was. And I met... They, they were running a table selling the book. And they said, Oh, you're Tony Esmond. Would you like the artist's proof? And I got the artist proof, which is pretty <laughs> You're cool. You're Yeah, so that's the one I've got. Um, I'm not sure if there was. There's probably going to be a few artist proofs with a book like that. I'm going to suggest. Mm. Um, but yeah, certainly one of them is my one. I was I was like over the moon, and like you, I don't. I never. I've never read my physical copy of the book because it's in now in you know a big a big comic bag and a board on it, uh, and sitting on a shelf downstairs. So
1: I was, was going to ask you that because you you put a picture up and and I realised that there was no uh, spine crease.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, so I figured
1: that you are reading digital, but I have actually I actually read my book book this time. Good man,
0: you're a star. I, I read it and I read it on the digital download, which was like a Dropbox link we got, and then I bought it as well on the Comicsology. Um, I think I deleted. I think I had one of those sort of amateur Dropboxes where you only had so much space, and it was yeah. quite a big file. So I sort of thought, oh, I've got the book, I'll delete it. And then I thought, no, I need to read it again, so I bought it off Comicsology. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. It's an interesting book in God of View as well, actually. I imagine it is. Especially the sequence at the end, which we may well talk about in a bit. Um, mm. The um, That looks a little bit like a sort of film filmic sequence, literally, on
1: film. Um, I would be interested to know who had the final say on that, because I'd imagine Mr McKean would have a few ideas about how that guided view would work. You
0: would like to think so, wouldn't you? And there's some impressive ways it works, because um the page layout is, not, is far from fucking normal. It's You know, there's no nine-panel mm. grid, is there, really? Yeah. No. Um Yeah, it works okay. It works okay. And the backlit, I think I put the one up of him standing on the peak of the hill with mm. the black dog looking out over the, the sea of fire, almost. And yeah. that works really well with the backlight on it. And it's gorgeous, in fact. You know, I'm not a great believer in digital, but we're all going that way, aren't we? especially with the cost of um, importing a comic from the States at the moment. But... Uh,
1: I mean, yeah. I feel bad enough for the pile of physical books that I haven't got around to reading. I <laughs> yeah. I dread to think of well, I dread to think of looking at what's on some of my hard drives. But <laughs> specifically <laughs> Where means, we going with specific, this. Hang on. <laughs> uh digital comics that I've just sort yeah. of like from Kickstarters and from Humble Bundles. Yeah. I've got years of collections of digital comics and you know, my mind rarely clicks over to think, Oh, I should probably look in that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And there, some, w- there will be a time where I'm going to have to start trying to make my way through.
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of having this sort of um, pro Dropbox thing, is I put it all in there now. Yeah, you know, I just piled it all in there. But the problem with it, we're on the old, it's like your subject, we're on the old Europe Comics um, reviewers yeah. list. And they send you loads of books, but they're all titled 123874. And you're like, oh, fuck <laughs> me, what is that? Yeah. So you have to I've just looked at that one. Well, I'm looking at that one again, I'm almost like that. I'm r- rubbish and scrolling through them, you know. But yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, so um, getting back on track, Black Dog was the winner of the V&A Museum Illustrated Book Award. Um, It was um, a commission from the 1418 Society, uh, which is the first, you know, the Great War Society, the history of the Great War, and the Lakes Comics um, Art Festival, Um, like you said, by Dave McKean. we talked about Dave McKean previously on the, the episode I did with Helena around Arkham Asylum. So re- rewind that way, and we're not going i am not going to go through his personal history, but we're going to talk about, a bit about his process. Did you have a have a good look at? Did you do much research on this dude, or did you have a look at any of the YouTube videos? Because there's quite a few of him out there being
1: interviewed, aren't there? There is. There's there's quite a few about, but I didn't. I'm I, uh, mostly my reaction to reading it is to look into Paul Nash. Okay, Because cool. I must admit that I didn't know a lot about him beforehand.
0: Me neither, actually. We do we, we do kind of ignore that fine art world, don't we? We're quite happy talking about Gil Kane and Salby Busema, but uh, mm. someone says, Paul Nash, and we're going, oh, no, 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 not interested, mate, not comics. That's how I feel about it sometimes. <laughs> but, um, well, should we start with him? Should we start a little bit with him? So, Paul Nash, um, born 11th of May 19- 1889 and died um, the 11th of July 1946, born in London. Uh, lived in the Kensington and Earls Court area before moving out to Buckinghamshire a surrealist and war painter, uh, artist, and also a photographer and a writer. Um, The Tate described him as someone who played a key role in the development of modernism in English art, and he went to Slade. Um, uh, And um, I think Dave McKean makes the point a number of times, and, and in the company of a couple of art experts, by saying he's not even that good a painter. He's not an amazing painter, but... You know, there's there's a real power in what he actually does. Is that how you feel about it, or
1: I felt that he went to extraordinary lengths to make the point that he was never good at painting figures. Yeah, yeah, specifically. And I wonder if at that time the art movement was very involved with the human form, maybe, and that yeah. was what that was maybe why the opinion of his art was a bit lower. But I think I don't. I would love to... I will eventually look into more of how the book was constructed, because there's a lot of questions that I've got that I find interesting, specifically about how it was written, because a, a lot of the writing in it feels like it's been lifted from Nash's writing.
0: It really does, and there's a lot of... um, It's not poetry, but it's sort of quasi-poetry in there,
1: isn't there? It's, there's yeah, it, almost verse really structures. Yeah there's, yeah, there's verse structures that fade in and out, yeah. and it just seems to be of a whim, but I mean, if you know any, well, if anyone knows anything about Dave McKean, it's like the he is so good because none of it's accidental. He like yeah. his his art, the construction of a page, it all looks quite chaotic and freeform, but there's there is so much structure to it as well. Yeah. That it it's it is built and there's foundations to it and everything's thought out.
0: Yeah. So, so it's. Strictly speaking, it's not an autobi it's not a biography of Nash at all, is it? It's a biography of Nash's dreams. And I think the opening line is um this was my first dream, at least at least the first dream I remember, which is a great mm. first line. Um so McKean attacks it through what he considers to be the dreams, and they involve this creature which is the black dog. What did you see as the representation of that dog, dude? Did you did you decide?
1: Uh. Good question. No, I haven't decided. <laughs> right, OK. Uh, I don't think it's a... I mean, the most simplistic interpretation is it's just the classic uh, symbolisation of depression.
0: I think that's... I've heard McKean say that.
1: But, um, I, but
0: it, there is a more to it that than that, isn't there? Deeper,
1: I feel like it's a lot deeper than that. And there's there's a few things... There's a few things in the book that sort of point me towards that because the dog... ...is ever-present, so... Yeah, in one form or another. Yeah. yeah, the dog is there when he's a child. The dog... Do you know, do you know what I mean? In childhood. Yeah. And, and he, at one
0: point, let's face it, he is inside the dog. I,
1: I mean, know. yeah, there's there's images where there is literally his face upon the dog.
0: Yeah.
1: Sort of later on, which is sort
0: yeah. of confusing. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's a really... A, str- a strange moment, isn't it? Is that when the dog's in the foreground and he's running behind it, and you suddenly yeah the face just is just
1: before they get to that hill.
0: Yeah, it is. It is an incredible moment. So let's talk a little bit about a bit a bit about Nash and where this depression may have come from. So Nash initially enlisted as a private in 1914 for the Home Service, and for a short time he was a guard at the Tower of London, believe it or not. So that's pretty <laughs> incredible. When you think uh, there's there's something gothic about that that fits this book in my mind. You know, I'm surprised he didn't make an appearance, but later mm-hmm. after being um, married he enlisted as an officer and was sent to the western front in february 1917 he was a second lieutenant in the um hampshire regiment um in 20 there's a couple of moments that are sort of big moments in his life and in the 25th of may 1917 he broke some ribs and fell backwards into um a hole or a um i don't know, I don't know what it was but he fell backwards on the battlefield and broke two ribs um and um subsequently about About a month and a half later, it took him to he was returned from Belgium as an observer um He was returned home and then he returned back to Belgium as an observer and began to replicate the world around him as an artist um He also at that point became very critical of the war um and he it really drove him he became um very driven and sometimes he would i mean he he drew in that period he drew fifty drawings which he describes as fifty drawings of muddy places, which i thought was quite cool. Mm um he re- returned to england to work on them but between the wars he suffered bouts of depression um and what we would probably what was called then shell shock and what we would call post traumatic stress disorder and he did struggle with money as well so he's that the i mean we see it these days don't we we see the returning soldiers from war who end yeah. up sleeping homeless and stuff they're not really looked after and i imagine it was even worse then he was appointed a war artist for world war Two um and produced some actually some really beautiful works some of my favourites. There's um, an upside-down... Is it a Stuka or something like that? An upside-down oh, plane, which is pretty... Cool. Are
1: these are the aeroplanes that sort of become and mix in with landscapes and things. Yeah, there's one called the Messerschmitt yeah. in Windsor Great Park, which is just brilliant.
0: It's, like, uh, amazing. <laughs> um, for me, his art that I really enjoyed is, is the landscapes. Um, and there's there's a, a haphazardness to, you know, um, almost iconic drawing of trees and muddy hills and stuff like that that... Um, that McKing replicates on occasion in this, doesn't he?
1: I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. it's it's subtle. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It's ever present. Like it's just the there's sort of a very flat use of color here and there. Yeah. And that seems to be just he, he just just chosen touches, and, yeah. and and mixed it in somehow. I think it's really really clever because I didn't pick up on it reading it and I think I paused about halfway through the book and thought, right, I really need to see some of Nash's work. Okay, yeah. So I did a quick search, and it's there. It's instantly there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, and it's really hard to describe how it is there, but he has mixed in some touches of style into the way he's rendered some of the pages. Yeah. And the the miraculous thing about this book is it is such a mixture of styles and approaches. Yeah, But it, almost by ooh. chapter, isn't it? Yeah. But it all hangs together brilliantly yeah like there's there's the narrative and the ideas justify it yeah
0: so uh, when i say surrealist painter people kind of get the wrong idea about that often don't they they seem to think yeah. it's shapes and flights of fancy and you know it's like a, a yes album cover or something but it's not it's um there's more to it. There's blocks and there's you know, there's there's iconography and the trees shoot up and the you know and a rep you know, replicate themselves, almost they spread themselves out through a page or there's a single tree on a hill and stuff like that. And um there's a couple of pages I think that he McKean does so well, and one of them is the page with the Avocet in the foreground. Um and to me that really speaks a lot. And there's another one which is a page with a tree on a, a sort of slight hill. Um mm. and that reminded me a lot of his work. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it really is incredible. You can still actually find paintings in the Tate in London and in the Imperial War Museum. Apparently, there's still still stuff that you can go and see of his, which now makes me want to wish lockdown was over because <laughs> the Tate used to be opposite my work, so I was right. always walking past it. But uh, yeah, sadly he died it's... of asthma in his sleep. Um, an un uh, a generally um, unhappy man. His brother was also who he calls I think he calls Jack, but was actually called John I think. Um, his brother was also quite a well-known painter, and also so, um. A First World War survivor, which is quite yeah,
1: interesting. Yeah, there's an interesting section in the book with having a discussion with his brother, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there's... There.
0: The um, I, When I remembered this book, I never remembered it as a conversational piece, but there's some great little moments of conversation, aren't there?
1: Oh, the... I is mean, one of them you wanted I, to talk I, about, you,
0: you mentioned Yeah, we, yeah.
1: We, we each chose two chapters that we wanted to focus on, and, and both of mine have nothing to do with war, really. Right, not, not, yeah, yeah. Not directly. Um. I chose the one the first one I chose was him having a conversation with his friends and the the I I guess a load of people on the art scene at the time. <laughs> yeah,
0: like a lot of very poncy people on the yeah. art scene, aren't they? And, yeah.
1: it's, and it's it's news that war has just broken out and there's this big conversation about and they're very untouched and untroubled by it. They yeah. They don't seem to think that it will really trouble their lives much or Their their main concerns are about how it will affect the art scene. Well, that that is the one of the standout
0: line is how it's almost like they're waiting for that line to happen, aren't they? When they say, "Yeah, says how will it affect the art market?"
1: Um, And it's just a really fascinating discussion about how half of the, or certainly some of them, just see art as trinkets for the rich, and it's their role to produce these trinkets and take the money, and not really think upon it much more than that. And then but, sit
0: in a bar as if they're in some kind of sort of punch, early, you know, punch cartoon or something, isn't it, you know? Well,
1: and, this is why I really wanted to talk about it, because yeah. it just goes to show how much of a good cartoonist Nakeen is. Yeah. And I don't think anyone would really think of that as a primary comment. Yeah. <laughs> he does some really interesting things with scale. I think it's another chapter in the in the wedding chapter where... um they're getting married and I just couldn't help but notice that the priest is huge yeah like, they do it the school teacher absolutely. is
0: similar as well the, the school yeah. teacher assaults him yeah and, and there's a there's a sort of nasty caricature quality like Mr Punch actually yeah. like the Boogie he did with Gaiman there's that sort of nastiness to it all the they're slightly grotesque
1: aren't they absolutely yeah. that was exactly the word that I was eventually yeah, I was right. getting to yeah. it's and yeah it's just everything's accentuated and they're they're quite ugly people but not the ugliness of how they're rendered is backing up the things that they're saying, yeah, and um, there's a great
0: line in that one of my favorite lines is one looks to another one I think it's I think it's someone saying this to to Nash and he says, Civilisation is stepping off a cliff pool, and I think that's a great line, mm-hmm. so you know i I'd, I'd quite happily go on to Twitter and say that today, yeah you know, <laughs> because it still is, isn't it yeah.
1: but he goes on, yeah, I'm looking at that page now, and he goes on to say, if you want your work to have any value in such a chaotic world, you're going to have to engage with it. Yeah. Comment, criticise it, take it apart and remake it in your own image. Don't hide under the skirts of the sixteenth century court panthers. Because <laughs> yeah. he was talking about Rossetti, wasn't he? He wanted yeah. to um, emulate him. And it's it becomes an important conversation yeah. because of what happens. It's and this goes back to what I think the black dog dog represents, partly. Is that I think it's as because there's quite a pivotal scene towards the end. Do you want to go into that quite yet?
0: Uh yeah no let's let's talk a little bit about what you've got to talk about there it. yeah but I mean feel free to talk about it I think if yeah. you want to explain the dog to us then that's that's good at, uh, and I'd like to hear it yeah I
1: I'll, won't I'll try and say I'll explain what I think it is okay right good yeah 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 but um there's a scene towards the end where he is literally crawling out of a dog so there is yeah. a dog laying on a gurney and you see his eyes yeah behind you know, behind the mask of a dog and he crawls out of its mouth yeah and it's like a rebirth of sorts and. It comes at a point where they're trying to explain him coming out of his PTSD, possibly, or coming out yeah. of or some sort of recovery. But I think it's as much as him finding himself as an artist, yeah, and sort of doubling down on the truth of what he wants to do and what it means to him as much as that. Yeah, it, it's shedding something basically, and I, and I think the foundation of that is laid in this chapter, because he's experienced some really horrific things. And I think it's it, it's him grappling with that and facing it head on. Yeah. Because, oddly enough, the chapter that precedes that, which is another interesting one, is him having a conversation with a friend that doesn't remember any of it. And he's a very happy man. Yeah. And, in contrast, Nash is completely washed out, whereas his friend is rendered in lots of different colours. He does
0: that a lot, doesn't he? There's a whole, yeah, that sequence where the, he's walking along with his friend who's like almost like Rainbow-esque. With, yeah. with strokes of color and he's he's washed out and you know that I think that's a sign of PTSD though I've I've done some reading on it recently for another project and um it, you you suffer you you enjoy nothing is what they say you, there's mm. nothing that you can enjoy in your life and you, and you you ghost along um not looking forward to anything and and it, and everything is a burden to you and I think that's what it's saying there isn't it yeah yeah incredible so i mean i know nash was prone to a change of style do you think that's why McKean did it do you think that's why he He chose chose this... I mean, he's quite famous for saying the style should fit the story. You shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be the opposite way around, which I think is really interesting. I've got a quote from him somewhere, I'll find it in a minute. But, you know, that's quite an interesting point of view to take, I think.
1: I think um, it's not a mistake that it's rendered as dreams. I think that gives you so much latitude. Yeah, yeah. I found the quote, it
0: says, um, I try very hard not to have a style and always find the right tone of voice to express the ideas of that piece this keeps yeah. you fresh and he he talks a little bit about his anxiety around you know he'll do something and then he'll walk indoors from his studio and uh, he'll complain to his missus about how he, he he's decided he can't draw he's no good at drawing then he'll go back <laughs> out and do something else and you know he genuinely one of the greatest comic you know comic artists ever and, yeah. and I actually think his writing here is probably some of the best I've seen of anyone you
1: yeah. know yeah it's it's seamless like, yeah. like I said earlier it's it's it fits everything so well that I assume that a lot of passages were just lifted yeah, rather than completely originated. He does and
0: use a lot of reference. In the back pages, there's there's a lot of things he says are his reference, aren't there, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I want it interesting to see how much of that came yeah. out of it. Yeah, it's... um. He says all stories and projects are different, so it could be crazy to draw them in the same way, which is, you know, you've only got to look at... um. Uh, Arkham Asylum, you know, just utterly different, you know, completely different from some of the shots in this. Yeah,
1: but, but there's still elements of it that you can tell. It's this, that's what fascinates me about his work yeah. is that it's really hard to say what it is that you that you can tell that it's him. Okay, but there's still something where I, in generally, if you put something in front of me, I'll be able to tell if it's McKean or not. But I won't be able to tell you why.
0: Yeah, there's um. There's a real instinctual caricature, not caricature. It's a wrong word because it makes it sound like it's meant to be funny. But the faces are drawn and exaggerated, and in in just both a beautiful but scary way, almost, aren't they? You know.
1: Yeah, and again, I think that goes back to the decision to base this around dreams, because I think there's a debate. Is that, I mean, there are a lot of set pieces and these conversations and things that seem very real world. But I think there's an argument to be had that every single sequence in this book is a dream. Yeah, I think you're right. And not necessarily anything that happened in real life. Yeah. Well,
0: well, let's talk about my sequence then, the one I, I was going to choose first. was. Um, so mine starts on page 63. Um, and I think from the start of this, I, I love... I'm very fond of a silent comic. I don't as a comic writer, it's a weird thing to say. But there's something to me that I find very gripping... Most of our lives are spent not speaking. It might surprise you to hear about me, but the <laughs> it's uh most of our lives are quiet, aren't they? We do stuff. We don't if we spoke all day we'd have a sore throat and we wouldn't manage to speak the following day. But so I kinda like that. And for him for someone with PTSD, this is particularly important. That he is silent, he's quiet and you know, he's um depressed and he's um he doesn't like you know, people with PTSD don't like noise. They can't stand loud bangs and stuff like that, you know. Um and he's in a hospital and this is this stems from when he broke his ribs. Um, in the battlefield and outside of his window, and don't forget this is a dream, are thick blood red briars, which are just utterly beautiful. And, and, and one of the reasons I'm glad I read it on a backlit computer screen, because it's just so impressive, just so beautiful. And he goes outside to explore, um... And he sees, and before you see the kingfisher, you see a sort of flash of blue. Have you seen that part? It's, you don't immediately, he's not immediately made out as a kingfisher, as you would see. You know these things move move fast. And he sees this kingfisher, and he spots some eggs in the, the hollow of a tree. And he reaches out, and he manages, after some pages of reaching out with his long fingers, you know, um, he's he's the typical. Man of his his time, you know, there 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 wasn't a lot of overweight people back then, you know, because they <laughs> all come back from war, and um, he manages to hold one, and the the um the the thin skin of this egg, um is it speaks so much to me, and, and the way I took it was that the bribes were war, and the and the eggs were peace, and that was my and that was I don't know it's slightly repre- you know simply representational, but to me that was how I felt about it, and I thought. He's fighting his way through, you know, perhaps through his, his experience of the war. And he's found this moment of peace and this moment of clarity and this moment of solitude. And it's, it's based on this egg that is so fragile.
1: Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I just... Uh, I, took, I took it a different way. Oh, okay, go Because um, there's two instances in this book where something happens that is out of his control. So right. the first one is that he gets measles. And the second is yeah. that he falls into a hole and breaks a rib. Yeah. And on both occasions, he misses action that more more than likely would have killed him. Like, very few survivors come back. The first one is Salonica. Yeah. And this one, I can't remember what the actual action was, but it, there's another action where yeah, most I of yeah. where he should have been, died. And I saw the briar as guilt.
0: Oh, okay. So, survivor's guilt, you mean? Yeah. Okay, interesting. So, what what eggs, would the eggs be, then?
1: I guess the eggs would be sort of reaching through it to sort of deal with it but yeah. I, I don't think i got as far as really dealing with the eggs i just sort of saw the sort the survivor's guilt aspect of it surrounding um, him
0: yeah really, those briars yeah. really they yeah they just um i mean there's a there's a crown of thorns analogy
1: somewhere there isn't there as well <laughs> yeah. yeah there really is but the, the text as it was says where is the insanity and in the war in nature in the place in my mind where these two things touch
0: yeah beautiful
1: which is just such
0: brilliant i know i know yeah (laughs) what was the quote you said to me before we began you said it almost depressed me because i know i'd never do anything this good
1: (laughs) i spent the whole week reading it going wow 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 and today i've had some real quiet moments going i'll never make anything that good ever you you might well do man (laughs) but there's there's a real i think the kingfisher the the eggs is a real call back to nature i think nature is a is a massive, obviously being a landscape artist and preferring landscapes over the human form, and yeah. there's a very like, big thread of him actually being quite down on humanity, Do you know, as though we're yeah. here to spoil the thing that he loves most, which is nature, and and you know I'm quite a big Tolkien nut, yeah, who yeah, is yeah. another person, that's uh, another soldier that survived the Great War and went on to be created.
0: And uses nature to great effect in his books as well, you know, yeah. the sort of trees and it's stuff massively, he? Yeah, yeah, massively
1: yeah. And despised industry spoiling nature, yeah. you know and, um, there's a lot of birds in this book
0: actually, aren't there? We've got the kingfisher, we've got a lot, as oh. I mentioned earlier, we've got the avocet, we've got um, is it a crow or a jackdaw at one point sitting there, um, almost a black reflection of, of the dog, yeah
1: his, his old art teacher is described as a bird as a rook, isn't he? That's right yeah, yeah. The one I liked, the one that encouraged him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Apart from the horrific teacher who just breaks <laughs> yeah. him, like physically <laughs> breaks him, puts him in a puddle yeah. of blood on the floor. I mean, I'm old enough to remember getting a whack off teachers, you know, not in that way. And, uh, it, it, you know, they're these fucking horrific people. I mean, Pat Mills has based, you know, whole stories on some yeah. of the people he and I knew, you know, <laughs> and they were just horrible, Would would just assault you at a moment's notice and stuff like that. And it must have been much worse then. And one of the things I wanted to ask you a bit about, mate, is um, we have a great romanticism, or we've grown a great romanticism for the Great War. I think the the, the World War Two is kind of seen as boys' own adventure, you know, where eagles dare, and you know, the dirty dozen, and all this sort of thing. Um, but the First World War, I think we're more influenced. I don't know what you think, but I think we're more influenced by people like Siegfried Sassoon and Wilfred Owen, and even books like you know, books and plays like War Horse and the recent yeah. 1917. It seems to be There's there's a a much more of a sadder atmosphere to films based and books and comics based in the First World War maybe is it if this had been based purely in the Second World War I I would have felt differently about it maybe I think
1: I think it's I think it probably speaks to the the greater human cost there was less mechanisation yeah there was I think it was just there was a lot more it was a lot more hands on it was a lot yeah, I, I wonder if it's something to do with technology that, that starts to create distance, or it starts to create—I don't know. Maybe it just dulls dulls things somehow. Yeah. Um. I mean, we, we, since I mean, since we have overwhelming and, loss. I mean. Yeah,
0: I think that's a big thing, isn't it? And we know. I mean, ever ever since you watched that episode of um, what was Blackadder where they go over the top at the end, you know, you know they're going to die, and, and it's been sort of. Banged into us as kids. I mean, everyone studied Wilfred Owen or Siegfried Sassoon at six in sixth form, didn't they, in English and stuff? And the books have come and gone, and you know, the, the, there's been a lot about it. And I think, yeah, there's a real tragic quality, and then, I mean, it's it's you know, it's shown times a thousand in this in this book, but yeah, I yeah.
1: I think it's it's I guess rightly it's it's remembered as a as a waste of an entire generation. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think World War Two quite. World War Two was very much, or all... we, are... we, our history obviously tells it as it was doing the right thing to fight a great power. Whereas yeah. I think World War One was. A lot of people felt that it was just the reasoning was more on. dirty, wasn't it? World yeah. yeah, it really <laughs> was. Yeah, and we've real... World War Two to you it's and me
0: not is... World War Two to me and you is like Commando magazine and stuff, you know, <laughs> battle and things like that as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, leading on from that and talking about the sort of tragic quality of this book, how how do you view... Uh, having read it and looking back on him, how do you view Nash from this book? Is there a... Are you, what are the impressions you have of him?
1: I think it goes back to the nature again. I mean, I'm looking at a page now where McKean has literally rendered a trench and it pulls out and pulls out and it just looks like a scar on the landscape. Yeah, yeah. And I really like that because as, as you read more about Nash and you... you you learn about his love for painting landscapes and that being his preference and obviously a love for nature but the war what it did to the surroundings around him yeah obviously had a big effect and in the conversation with his brother they talk about these little bits of nature that begin poking through all the destruction
0: that's a great moment so for those that haven't read it he he's one i mean this is don't forget this is a dream dreams are the collisions of memories i believe is the phrase here which is a great quote um, from him but he's wandering across the landscape and he finds himself in, you know in, in a trench and he he, walk, he he walks into his brother and they have um, a conversation which is mostly led by his brother his brother has almost like a soliloquy towards the end of it doesn't he mm. and and he pulls he said he says well how do you survive how do you live this horrible life of bugs in your water and you know poison gas and, and stuff and he says he pulls a pencil out of his pocket and he says this this is how i survive and he says this is down to you because you encouraged me to draw, and and that little moment of you know that's that's almost keeping him sane. Um, I've, I'm I'm not I'm not a great you know I don't I can't really draw, but I do I have been trying to draw every lunchtime, and I find it a great solace and a great moment of sort of almost like centering yourself when you draw something because I know you're you're a bit of an artist as well, Ken, and it does sort of the world sort of drifts away a bit, doesn't it? The problems of the world drift away, a little, I think? I think.
1: I think yeah, I think there are a number of things I think. Um... Drawing. I think everyone has a different thing. Yeah. Um, okay. That does that. Um, I, I get drawn towards frustration mostly when I'm drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I get into a, Sometimes I get into a flow state with writing, where literally the only thoughts in my head are about what I'm putting down and what's next and, and how that links with something maybe thousands of words in in the future or, yeah. or what's already down and I think it's that it's that single mindedness that i think people um strive for that's that's what they when they i think that's what people say call being in the zone it's just it's just being focused on one thing yeah and it and it taking your whole self
0: yeah um, i think i i read something yeah. that um had referred to as restful detachment and i think that's a great phrase mm. i think it, you know it, it is. it allows us to to rest um um yeah i do like that scene man i think it's really done and it's it's there's some great angles when he's looking down into the trench to his brother and there's a whole like r- set up of a living room in that almost isn't there and yeah. you know but it's um it's it...
1: What do you think happens at the end of that scene?
0: I can't remember what that is now. I have to look that up. while we're talking um go on you tell it me looked, what you think.
1: So there looks to be a whole page where it looks like there's a massive mud explosion. Oh and yeah, it looks like... like
0: a big fingerprint of dirt, doesn't it? Almost. Yeah, yeah. And
1: all of a sudden Nash is in a like crater of blood with a skull. And then it goes on to the strangest double page where this cockroach is crawling... Massive cockroach is crawling towards him because they'd spoken about racing cockroaches. That's right,
0: they? yeah. As a way to... <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I found that a, a really interesting couple of pages because it's... um, it's Everything is very short sequence. Don't think that any of these chapters are, are hugely long. There's very few that are longer than, what, eight pages, I suppose? Nine pages, something like that.
1: They're so dense, though, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I mean... To me that's straight back into a nightmare isn't it he's 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 mm. he's fallen back into you know the fear of drowning, the fear of death, you know you've got a skull talking to him um
1: and... oh, it turns into an anxiety dream, sorry I'm just rereading it, yeah, his brother is talking about what what his the most miserable moment in the war him is when he had a book of matches and it wouldn't strike that's right, yeah, <laughs> it's a bit
0: like that time I was dream about being in the school assembly in my pajamas, you know it's a sort of similar. <laughs> yeah no um but that's the nature of the book it's not um it's not told in the timeline, is it it's, it jumps it really does jump about it
1: really jumps about and it it really keeps you on your toes because you do have to take note of the dates to try and piece together any sort of sequence to it yeah
0: do you think you need to know um about him to enjoy it this book about Nash to enjoy it
1: um I don't think you need to, but I think it accentuates it yeah, I think you're right, man yeah I, I'm going to say the same. I
0: think knowing about him, definitely, um, I just read it cold the first time and it had an incredible effect on me, you know, a very strong effect on me. But when I, I, then I went back in and, and read about Nash and stuff in order to write the the piece I wrote, then, yeah, I went back and read it and it's, yeah. Well, you know, this is a real it, guy,
1: you know. It definitely encourages you to go and look yeah. and everything you learn about, like, even just, just go and read his Wikipedia page. Yeah. And it will make so many of these pages and the things that happen in these pages resonate with you harder. Yeah, yeah. Because you know it's real, and you know it's based on something real. Yeah. And that does make a difference. It does,
0: I think. Yeah, it does. Um, Yeah, I don't know why. Is our imagination weaker? Could we have imagined it? Possibly, but... Yeah, it gives it an extra
1: impact, doesn't it? Yeah. I think it makes the fantasy elements of it stronger. Okay. Because... Yes, it's very explicit that these are dreams. So I'm of the belief that none of this is none of what's on the pages in this is based on reality. It is Nash's mind and memories, like you say, colliding and trying to process things. Yeah. So I don't think that anything that's rendered on these pages is meant to be a representation of reality. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. Um, and that then makes. The elements of it that do ring true once you do a bit of research yeah it it helps anchor the fantasy of it,
0: yeah, I think you're right, man, yeah, and what are we? you know aren't we a collection of our own memories, and isn't it a dream of memory, and you know we are what we you know what we are, what we experience, and um
1: absolutely I mean, we're, yeah with the sum of our experiences aren't we yeah. so
0: and getting back to the how we see Nash, I see him because I've seen these dreams now, perhaps. You know, I haven't seen him strutting around an art gallery or, you know, um, complaining about not having any work and, you know, being blocked as an artist and not being able to support his family. I see him as this character who is absolutely plagued by his dreams. If these were and are and maybe are his dreams, he's fucked in the head, man, because it would would really mess with your life. I think these would resonate throughout the day if you had a dream like any of these, really.
1: I think, I don't know, by the end of it, like I say that... The sequence of how things are rendered in, in these dreams, he, it's it's rendered as though he finds some sort of peace yeah. at the end. That he he finds either a way to deal with these dreams or these memories, or his relationship to his experiences. Yeah,
0: that was definitely and, going to be a question to me to you. It's um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll talk about a different sequence in a minute because we're, let, let's address that last sequence because I think. That, that needs it. That's the one where he's... he. There's this long sequence, isn't there, at the end where he climbs out the dog's mm. mouth, and it's almost shot in celluloid. It's almost like frames of a movie that move across the page. Um, yeah. And he, he keeps seeing this dog. The dog's on a trolley. The dog's elsewhere. He climbs out of the dog, and then he opens the door out into a bright, bright green orchard or something like that, isn't it? And walks out. What did out. you
1: think the framing of that was on the trolleys? Because I felt like it was him laying in bed and that there were people being wheeled past a doorway that he could see through.
0: I um, I think with the dot sequence on it, I just kind of thought it was the effects of a, of a movie, of snapshots, mm. or maybe, maybe just a roll of film, because he did become a photographer. He was quite well known for his photography as well. And mm. I thought maybe this is just each snapshot, because they jump about. So you do have a sequence of them where he closes up on... A guy who, who looks like he's dead or is you know very close to death, and then it snaps to a red a red image of someone laying in a you know well, it's probably him laying there with his ribs broken. Him laying
1: in a crater. Yeah,
0: yeah, and um and then it sort of snaps forward and I thought maybe it was moments of a film uh, and that's the way it was translated. It's it's um if that's another one to read. It's difficult to read in guide view because it's across a double page spread, isn't it? Two double page yeah. spreads, I think. Is that right? Yeah, 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 and it, yeah, it's it's an interesting way, and then it opens up to this gurney, and then and then we get the sequence with the dog in a um, what was it in a twelve panel grid page, which is yeah. uh, almost back to traditional comic, you know, it could almost be something out of eerie magazine. There's an element to that, isn't there?
1: I mean, you say twelve panel page and it sounds horrible, but it's a big book. Yeah, it's big Yeah, a it's oversized, oversized, yeah. it has to be. Yeah, it's, it's well oversized. Yeah. So.
0: And then it and then it moves on to this bit where he walks out into the orchard and I don't know I at first when I saw it I thought I was going to be pissed off with the tweeness of it I think <laughs> but it, it 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 goes beyond that doesn't it it becomes something else if he had just opened the door and walked out into a green forest i would have shouted fuck you Dave McKean. but it doesn't it becomes something else isn't it you know
1: and it addresses the Again, this is I enjoyed it because it felt like he was finding out about himself. It was finding some fundamental truth about himself that made his life maybe not worthwhile but livable. Yeah, and it and it went back to his his artistry. It went back to that conversation in the bar about what do you do, and it's about him discovering. It doesn't. I don't have to paint people. Yeah, like that nature is enough. I can try and capture this. Yeah, and that's. Where, like you were talking about, that's where he finds his peace. Yeah. In engaging in a landscape and trying to render it.
0: And people talk a lot about
1: therapy for PTSD, and
0: people do come out the other side of it. And I suppose his art is his therapy in a way, isn't it? His discovery of his own art in a way here that it allows him to walk out the other side of the depression. Um, interesting.
1: And there's a, there's another big layer about. I mean, it, it's about Paul Nash, but it's an artist sort of trying to, my mind kept clicking back to, it's really interesting that Dave McKean chose Paul Nash, who, yeah. yes, is a painter, but like you've mentioned, was a photographer, was a writer, yeah. he was a straight children's book. Like Dave McKean, he has yeah, true. a fantastical range, fantastic yeah. range of very different artistic expression. So there's a very clear link between two artists, one writing a drawing a book about another.
0: Yeah, and they, they do... McKean talks quite a lot about that, about how he felt um, almost uh, akin to, uh, like, you know, like a distant brother to him, because I think they both suffered a tragic loss as children, and also McKean happened to live in Rye, which is where um, <laughs> where Nash lived towards the end of his yeah. life, which, you know... And he, he he mentions that in a number of interviews, so it obviously did have a big impact on him. Um yeah you're right in the styles I mean you only got to look at some of the collage stuff that he does McKean. you know and that that's photography with mixed media and you know he really is i know um our buddy Sarah Harris mm-hmm. is is absolutely yeah. in. love. I mean, I, I felt a bit bad because she went. I wondered who was talking about that to you on Twitter today. <laughs> you know, perhaps yeah. I should have offered it to Sarah to come and join us because I know she's a huge fan. But I'm sure we can find something else to talk about. But the... to
1: be fair, you could you could invite her back and talk about the exact same book and it'd be a completely exactly. different. Hour, so. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now I'm to I'm gonna talk about my second one. So the one I wanted to talk about and it, it happens in the snow. And I think since, you know. Was it? Was that fucking? Is it Paul McCartney song about pa- playing football in no man's land? Because really, the only thing ever anyone ever talks about during the First World War is playing football in no man's land on Christmas Day and it's snowing, and um, yeah. we we associate snowy battlefields with World War One, don't we? I don't think there's, there's any way about it. If, if a movie opens and it's a snowy battlefield with a bit of barbed wire, everyone you know, it's, it's an immediate visual shortcut to World War One or the Great War. Um, and but this one is complicated by it opens. It jumps quickly, so there's no um, chapter break. For those that don't know, there's a number of chapter breaks in this which are um, f- photographs of a kind, aren't they? They're,
1: sort of they're all his, they're all McKean's mixed-media photographs. Yeah. They're, they're all sort of in these exposure frames, and, yeah, uh, yeah they're all pure photography. and so like some of them Thorns, have different, I think one of them was. and the Thorns uh, one is before the Briar one. Yeah. and Yeah, and he... I love some of his uh, a lot of his mixed media books, sort of early on. Yeah. Like he used to, he did like a tarot book, and oh, okay. I think he did one about, I think he did one about the M25 <laughs> traveling around the M25, <laughs> taking pictures. I think it's called London Orbital.
0: Oh, is it? I must have a look at that. Yeah. Oh, I think Helena mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But this one, so he's it's it's very quiet. You know, it's deafeningly quiet with the snow falling, and behind him something missiles. Flares. It's hard to tell what it is. You know, sunspots. You know, magic sort of swirling around them. And um, it's.
1: Oh, I just I know where you are now. It's it's a really it's in the middle of a sequence a yeah, chapter it is.
0: isn't it? Yeah, page eighty four. There's it is. a
1: really yeah. odd sequence where he's he's at the beach and it's a represent because he has a famous picture after the war of uh, painting beaches. Okay. It? Right. I think. Yeah. And there's. That was one of my questions. There's a really weird sequence in it where there's sort of a load of suffragettes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's is strange, isn't it? <laughs> and I didn't. And it just cut, like I said, it just smash cuts to this yeah. battlefield that you're describing.
0: Yeah, it it really does, is not it? The uh, the only connection is the dog. The dog walking away, yes. and suddenly the dog and him are transported, and he's he's in full battle gear with his you know his his um English helmet on, you know, and um the dog's running in front of him, and the dog. The dog's face is face, and this dog has got personality. It, it does occasionally look a bit like a cartoon dog through the lens of you know, of Dave McKean, but there's it's got personality. Sometimes it's a fucking doctor, and sometimes there's all sorts of things, isn't it? This dog, but yeah. um, in it's, it's not always similar to the dog that's on the cover, that's almost unrepresentation of how I see him once I've read the book. But the dog's yeah. running ahead of him, and its face is um, I don't know, it's distorting into it almost. And, and into the colour of, like, a human face. And he chases it across the snow, and we get we get various camera angles looking at him, but all of them are beautiful. And my one of my favourites is the one suddenly you're just overhead, you're a hawk overhead, and the footprints in the snow. And yeah. and snow's a difficult thing to draw, man. I, I was I was reading something about that Mike Grell said about drawing snow recently, and it's like, it's the lack of drawing, but you need to show the depth and the slush and the, you know, it's a... It's a, it's a cunning thing and he walks mm-hmm. past the skull so you know and some barbed wire and there's that I think it's a door, isn't it? isn't it's on the top of a dead body um, yeah. and he and he he walks to the top of you know what could be a sand dune so I suppose it could be a beach isn't it there's a there's a beachy element to some of it and he walks to the top yeah, of this snowy hill and yeah,
1: it's a a light over the brow of the hill and he takes a whole page yeah he does doesn't <laughs> he, he suggests this light this red light across the hill yeah and then there's a whole page it, so as a beat before it reveals what's there yeah and it's definitely Nash's face on the dog because yeah. one thing that is so distinctive all the way through this book is Nash's nose
0: yep yeah and they're the same and lips was, as well actually I yeah, reckon yeah and I
1: was overjoyed to see a picture of Nash and go, yeah, that is his. Nice. Uh, okay,
0: yeah, he's not a bad-looking fella. Nash, he's all right. You can tell he's got a yeah. way about him, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's an interesting one, and he's he's led by himself, isn't he? He's led by his own depression, I suppose, to look out yeah. and and he stands atop this hill and looks out on a sea of a sea of fire, um, which is a battlefield that is completely alight with um yellow, yellow flames in the white of the snow, and he is in grey on the right and the dog on the left looking out across it and the dog's got is this sort of loping large black canine old school, you know, sort of, uh, I'm not even sure what kind of dog it is, but this it's huge, isn't it? it? I mean, it does differ in size throughout the book, but that I just, that page, I put that on Twitter, I think yesterday and it got so many, so okay. many comments, you know, um,
1: it's just, and, and oddly enough, Nash is, um, I'm just looking at it now and there's something really Odd about his right leg. He's okay. he's transparent. You can see the brow of the hill through his leg. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, and, yeah um, pink, you can't, you? Yeah, he's a ghost. Yeah. And the
1: dog is solid.
0: That's true, man. Yeah, that is. I never and noticed that before.
1: One, I sort of wonder if it's like his, de- like you say, his depression or his morbid curiosity, just leading him on to to see these terrible things. Yeah. To his own
0: destruction, the PTSD. Yeah,
1: to record, yeah. but the need to record them, the need to see them, because one day he'll have... because he might have to record it, you, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, Interesting, yeah. man. The, the, the other...
0: It's funny, you mentioned the transparency through the legs, so there's the ghosting of him. He's, you know, he's a ghost in his own life and his own dreams. He's not fully... You know, he's not fully back mm. to himself but the other thing I, m- I mentioned, and I say this because you're a letterer in fact you're a letterer who's worked on my comics very successfully <laughs> and we got a lovely comment about it yesterday actually funny enough but a lot of the panels the, the word balloons he uses are transparent as well isn't he there's not I think in the cartoony bit you were talking about earlier the one that we referred yeah. to as a punch you see through the not in every one so the, the one where he's talking with his brother solid white blocks but the one where he's talking in that bar you, you, you can see through to the drawing underneath sometimes yeah. Yeah. I know I've seen a few I think Andy Bloor uses that technique cuz I pointed it out to him and he went oh I never realized I did that but <laughs> is that something you've ever used or
1: Um I mean the the, the conversation with his brother is a little bit see through but it's knocked up a lot more. Right. Okay. Um yeah. I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> as as I just Wonder as an artist, lettering their own thing. Yeah, I wonder if yeah. there's a bit of I don't want to cover that up.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean, man. Yeah, and he's probably angry <laughs> with whoever's lettered some of his stuff, saying he's co- he covered up some of his best bits. Yeah, yeah, no, but you're right.
1: It, it works fine, and actually, his lettering I enjoy most is where he puts text straight on the art okay. because it's, it's Dave McKean, and he always has some nice blocks of black. Do you know what I mean? There's, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of dark. So which certainly stri- uses well, which I don't know, maybe it's just the
0: stylistic way that that's done is it reminds me of verse more often when he does that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why yeah. it just kind of does, and it's not written as verse often, but it just kind of
1: well, there's no captions, is there? there's no caption boxes, yeah, so yeah. anything that works as a caption is just text straight over the art yeah yeah um
0: what was the uh, what was the other sequence you wanted to talk about, man?
1: I don't tell a lie, there is caption boxes that I've just lied to you. Oh, okay. It's in the wedding scene. Oh is but... it? Okay, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other sequence I wanted to talk about uh was where he talks about his parents. Okay. And he uses a chess metaphor. Oh yeah. Which I found really fascinating. Yeah. Um, That's
0: quite a page, isn't it? The uh the checkerboard one.
1: Yeah, the checkerboard one's amazing. He he talks about his father and, and Feeling very disconnected to him, he, he describes as across a three-mile sea, I believe. Yeah. And uh, he speaks of his father not really understanding him. He was a barrister, and he didn't one of these people that didn't really get art. I think it was. Yeah. He was very...
0: His house uh, was full of papers and stuff like that. I think he yeah. described it, as, didn't he? Yeah.
1: But he had a grandfather that encouraged him, and um, I'll read this bit for you because because I, I think it just encapsulates. It encapsulates a relationship in about five or six lines. Okay. Fathers fathers and sons, a king and a pawn on a three-mile board, ma- manoeuvring around each other, the king checking his position as the pawn moves towards promotion, hoping not to be seen, and neither of them comment on the absence of the queen. And that segues into a page that then talks about his mother. Yeah. Who, and I... I looked into it again, did suffer mental health problems. She did, didn't she? Yeah. And it's a whole page of a checkerboard, of of a chessboard. Yeah. And the images flit in and out of it. Some of them join up. Some of them are sort of small cuts and sections. Some in places, some of the images overlap over multiple squares. But The tone changes, so it's black, white, black, white. And to me, after following straight on from that metaphor about his relationship with his dad, about how he's the king and the pawn and how they move around each other, like they're aware of each other, but they keep a distance. They've each got their own motiv- motivations and motives. And then to go on and use the the, the board itself as a metaphor for his mother, yeah. which he goes on to say is, is meant to be this, this solid... Um, piece of your life the foundation of your life that that helps helps you grow you know and yeah and it goes on to explain that she was was it the constantly shifting unpredictable storm at the center of my life (laughs) yeah and she never speaks in it doesn't it?
0: her mouth is never never
1: open and yeah no and it's i just liked the, the the constant shift between black and white yeah. sort of to me symbolizes the unpredictability of his mother but it symbolizes a, as a board as a thing that is meant to be solid that is meant to be stable to allow things like things to happen yeah and i just love that and but it's a bit of a mystery because the, the page ends where his mother sort of picks up a knife and chases this dog
0: yeah now i i actually see it both as a chessboard and almost almost as a snakes and ladders board so you've kind of got the black dog sitting on her shoulder on the top of the board at the top and all this happens, this representational, you know, her angst and her depression and, like you say, picking the knife up. And then it it almost, you know, falls down, all the way down like a snakes and ladders board to the bottom mm. when she's chasing the dog away. And it's, it's Do kind you think
1: of... that represents her dog or Nash's dog?
0: I took it to be her dog, but it could be either, I have to be honest with you. Yeah, I took it because it was behind her and it was close to her in the first panel and she was chasing it away, mm. I think. But it could be either. Is it is it the same dog? I, I think, mean, do you pass yeah. on? I know a lot of people whose whose parents or mothers yeah. or fathers have suffered from depression. That's followed their kids off into real life unexplainably often, you know. Yeah.
1: Because yeah. the the last comment on that page is the dog didn't return to my dreams for a very long time, and I just uh, wonder if then. it yeah. it's if the 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 issues he had uh, with his mother sort of growing up, he he just. I don't know, I can't imagine that those sort of troubles would banish the depression, really. Or yeah. I, I don't know, I don't really know how to take that, but it fascinates me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. On a few pages onwards, I just wanted to point out the best drawing of, I like of the dog, which I find the most frightening is when he anthropomorphizes him as the doctor. <laughs> it's like, yeah. fucking, oh, imagine waking up having measles and seeing that. You'd be <laughs> hallucinating, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there is an element to this that isn't. It moves beyond shell shock and moves into insanity. You know, these these worst oh, yeah. dreams. and so then, you know, you'd certainly now, if you if you went to a therapist and said, "Oh, by the way, there's a there's a dog that's a doctor in my dreams, and I've got the, you know, you think, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I think we put you on some tablets." Yeah.
1: I mean, it goes on to that massive, not quite a double page spread, but half of a double page spread about the bat of the Battle of Saronica But yeah, I don't know, I, I I just could not help but be reminded of Guernica. Okay. Yep.
0: A second and time he's sort been mentioned on this podcast yeah yeah
1: is it really yeah <laughs> and uh nash is in the background with measles and it's just sort of part of the landscape yeah. overlooking battle and uh again it's that that it's the broad broad strokes of tone that sort of that's where nash's style creep in yeah
0: and the 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 characterization in that really remind me of those black and white pictures we saw of Eastern European soldiers underfed and sad and with a you mm. know a, a combination of having given up but danger in their eyes looking at the camera and and the, and the disfigurement he adds to the drawings in that bottom left hand panel it's beautiful it's, yeah. know, it's it's so impactful isn't it it's just uh yeah is there is there any part of this book that doesn't work for you man is there anything that you think doesn't quite work for me
1: um Uh, there's a few bits where I think it goes too far, and I'll go. Oh, you lost me a bit there. Okay. But a couple more readings, and do you know what? You start layering yourself onto things a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think this, I think the suffragettes lose me a bit. Okay. Yeah. But so that could be my vast and deep misogyny. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah. It's um. I like to think it's not a shoehorning of our modern day politics into our historical politics, but maybe, I think maybe that did come from his life. Did he ever, you know, was his wife a suffragette? Or, you know, there was, I can't really remember. Um, For me, there's, sorry, sorry, man, you're going to say.
1: That's what I love about um, taking on a book from, there's a certain amount of trust that you put into creators. Yeah, yeah. So the reason that, I could have this book on my shelf, knowing that I was going to enjoy it at some point, is because I know Dave McKean. For me, is a safe bet. Yeah. And I have utter trust that in his process, I, I know that he is a consummate artist. So, what what ends up in one of his books will be rigorously thought through, yeah. and there will be a reason for it. There's nothing in here that he's just putting on a whim.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think you know? I often I worry because I do quite a lot of research for these shows, and um. I always try and find interviews with the creator about the subject, if possible. And I always worry because I think we we're getting to know creators too well these days. And, oh yes. Um, yeah. And uh, I I'm, with him, I was worried having seen some of the videos of his musical stuff. Um, which I'll be honest with you, I can I can take or leave. I'm not. It, it it's not. Uh, I'm about the comics. So, and I was worried whether he was going to be too. Um, use the phrase again this week, hippy dippy about it all, you know. <laughs> um but he never there's there was a genuine honesty to him. There's there's an obsession about his craft and obsession about Nash, which I think is is fine with me if someone is interviewing you about it. I wouldn't if we were at a dinner party and he spent all dinner talking about Paul Nash and I'd probably be pissed off with him. But he's been asked questions <laughs> about it, that's fine. But I was worried there was going to be that um Arty fartiness about them, but it didn't appear for me, thankfully. He I maintained my admiration for him throughout the interviews. Cause I think if you're going to throw yourself into something, you throw yourself into it. And I, I just yeah. admire that. I mean, I'd love, man. you know, we'd all love to give up work and you and I just to, to write and just to throw ourselves into yeah. it. But you know, it probably won't happen until we're in our sixties, but I just love the fact that he is a great talent and he has the, the money and the time and the, you know, the position, the positioning and the support structure that allows him just to be creative in that room and um yeah. there's a couple of interviews with him where he's in his studio and it's full of stuff and you, <laughs> you, you kind of sense oh he's looking out at this like i don't know avocet model or i don't know what the fuck he's got there an old phone or something like that you know and you think, well that, that's kind of there's something about his world and his view that um is is sewn so tightly into his work that it just makes it so recognizable like you said before but I just really enjoy that aspect to it. I do the immersion in the art, and I think if there's ever a book that you could just be completely immersed in, it's this one. And genuinely, you know.
1: Yeah, I think the re- the reason I talk about trusting a creator, and I don't know a lot about Dave McKean. I I don't think I've I've never taken the time to really research into him. I've, yeah. I, my impression of him is pretty much through interacting with his work, and the impression I have of him yeah. has built up this sense of trust because in his work i see an acute degree of artistic integrity yeah
0: i think you're right yeah agreed
1: when i when i invest when i i mean like i said like i keep going back to i paid a lot of money for this book to sit on a shelf for years (laughs) yeah (laughs) at at no point did it cross my mind that i'd wasted my money yeah me too because i i trusted that his work like he like you say, he throws himself into the work. And um yeah, I I don't extend that trust to a lot of creators, I don't think. No, it's really, uh, these days,
0: man. Yeah, I'm glad he's not on Twitter talking about fucking bollocks all the time. <laughs> is right yeah. it on my nerves Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, and uh, I kind of uh, again, we, we, we sort of stray stray back and forth to this subject. Yeah, I think we do know creators too much. Yeah. And I think mostly because the modern machinations of Marketing are that a lot of comics are sold on personality, aren't they? Yeah, a lot of selling is down to the creators now. Yeah, you you used to just leave that to your publisher to get on with while you wrote. You got on with the next thing, yeah, and you got on with the next thing, but now you've got to be on there and out and building your audience, you know. Yeah, and I think that's a few barriers have come down that that isn't great, necessarily great to have come down. I think some people interact with their audience brilliantly, and I think it might. Help their art in some ways, but some people are much better communicating with their audience through the end product, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. And it does a lot, you know, great creators communicate through their art. And I think there's an emotion that comes up off the page in this book. Um, I'll just the one comment I had because I know we we were talking a second ago about bits that didn't work for me is, um, if you ever look at I think it's page 52, when you talk about the big crack in the earth that is the trench. Um, yeah. Which runs on the right hand side of the page. On the left hand side of the page is this sort of green abstract stuff. It Didn't quite work yeah. for me. It didn't it didn't I wasn't feeling that. Um, no, the counterpoint was I... too much for me on that page. It, yeah.
1: yeah. It did. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know. I I. It's either. It doesn't really seem like an explosion. There, there's something about. I, I thought maybe thought it was sort of suggestions of stars and a galaxy maybe.
0: Okay, I thought it was. Um, the the battle between the war and nature but yeah i can see what yeah. you're saying yeah 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 it's amazing, man but, like, i don't i do you know what we we've not disagreed but we've had different opinions about different scenes in this book and i don't think i'm i don't think you're wrong about any of them you know sort of
1: i don't think yeah I, that's the great thing about it it's, it's like oh, it's, it is like one of those wanky mood boards and it you <laughs> see what you want to see yeah 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 but it's again that plays into the whole aspect of the dream thing is it's, it's people make a living off interpreting dreams and everyone knows that's bollocks because everyone's got an opinion yeah yeah. and the great thing about this and i we are going to get into this discussion of why this book isn't sort of everywhere and everyone's talking about it it's because it's one of those books that a certain section of comic readers or a certain section of the artistic landscape, will not call this a comic.
0: Yeah, I know. It
1: would be called an art narrative forge, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a a bloody comic. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And you can sit here and you can appreciate it like walking around a gallery. Every single person that reads this can get something completely different off of every page. Yeah. There's there's
0: moments in it that are strictly comics. You know, they're old school. I mean, I know he's a huge fan of Batman and stuff like that, McKean. He grew up on superhero comics. He has a love for them. But there's there's moments that I would put more akin to, say, from our little circle of friends, Gareth Hopkins' work, which is still comics as well. Yeah. 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 And do you know what? I hate to think, because you and I are the least sort of arty, farty you know hipster nonsense talking idiots that i know and when i have a talk with you and it is a hugely practical talk and we have a sense of humor about things but there is something about this book that does bring that to bring that side of us out isn't there there genuinely is yeah
1: there is you like i said we, i mean we've we've stumbled across that a couple of times just in this conversation we sort of apologize when we get a bit too ponty about it <laughs>
0: yeah
1: and that's that isn't a bad thing. No, That the, the bad thing is not recognizing that a comic can make you do that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And that that, that isn't a limitation on anything. It's it, it shows the breadth of the medium.
0: Yeah.
1: And people stamp on that. And there is a certain section of people that stamp on that because they don't want comics to be that. Yeah. They want to keep it for high-end art. They want to keep it for people that want to be wanky about stuff all the time. Yeah. And there's space for it all, and that's what really irritates me: is is these this pigeonholing of things. Yeah.
0: And I mean, there's, a straight, the fact- there's a straight line through him to Barry Windsor-Smith, back to Jack Kirby. You know, there's yeah. to Sienkiewicz, to these people. You know, you know John J. Muth. There's a there's a there's a there's a little there's a line between all of them, and all the way back to fucking Ditko. You know, it's. it's Basima, this is comics. It's strictly comics for me, and it's it can be both. It can be an art book, but it's a comic. You know, there's no you can call it a graphic novel if you want. I don't really care. But yeah, that's what it is for me. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it sells, it I don't give a fuck. You know, I think one of the reasons. Well, let's get onto that bit then about why we think it isn't. You know, a bit more about that. Why? Why? Why it isn't more thought of? And I I, I actually think it's because it's not in print. I think I don't think it's currently in print. I think there's a soft cover version of it coming. I think if Park you look, on, put out, it? yeah, but I think if you look on Amazon, I don't think it's available. Really? Yeah, well, maybe we'll do a live a live look up while we're talking. But I think I looked at it because I was thinking of get I was going to get it for a pal. Um, I was going to get it for um Pat Pat Mills because he'd seen it but didn't own a copy, and I know what a fan of him, fan of the you know the Great War or or the research in the Great War he is, and I thought I'll get him a copy of this, and I was chatting to him about it online the other day, and I went to look it up, and I don't think. I'm just doing it while we're talking. Um, What's it called again? I'm joking. The, uh, (laughs) and uh, I don't think it's for sale. Let's see. Second edition paperback pre-order. Black Dog, The Dreams
1: of MASH, Kindle.
0: Hardcover.
1: Oh, that's Spanish. Um, Second edition, December next year. Fucking hell.
0: Oh, it is, isn't it? December the 30th, 2021. And it's got a weird different
1: yeah. cover on it, isn't it? It's
0: like almost they're standing on a wave. Yeah.
1: They did a hard cover.
0: Yeah. Um it says a French version. French version, yeah. yeah. No, that's it. I can't see I don't know Amazon oh. isn't always the best guide, but no. there's nothing that's immediately jumping out as something, you know, the you know, the casual graphic novel reader would go and try and buy it off Amazon. It's not there, is it?
1: I mean it's on comic I mean it's on comic stories, yeah, isn't that's true. it?
0: Yes, yeah. there's that, but not everything stays in print these days. I think we're kind of we're lax in thinking that oh, I'll get that in a couple of months and then it's gone, isn't it? Yeah.
1: I wonder if it's the way it was like. The release I if it's style, cause yeah. Because it's a commissioned, like do you know what I mean? Because it was specially commissioned and there was a limited run, and then there was a lag. Yeah. Because there, it was a good six months before Dark Horse picked it up. I think you're right, man.
0: Months. Yeah, I think you are. Yeah, so it was the Lakes and the fourteen eighteen organization. Who yeah, put it so out, it, which are not was... big publishers. Let's face it.
1: And all of the all of the Ferrora around it would have been around that first limited edition run yeah. rather than the Dark Horse one, because there was always caveats and all the promotion of Dark Horse have picked it up for a time in the future. Yeah. But, I mean, it's getting a second edition, and pff, it must have done okay. Yeah, wonderful. Uh... I mean, publishers don't print things for the fun of it, do they? No. <laughs> it's, it's a funny one, though.
0: What is available of Dave McKean's, because a lot of it is...
1: A lot of it goes out of print. Does it? I haven't yeah. Yeah, I haven't got anywhere near as much of it as I would like. Yeah, yeah. Um so the... his his early edition stuff's hundreds of pounds. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Good.
0: So that's been a... usually we aim for an hour, we're well over it and still got to talk about your your <laughs> stuff. But the um so let's I'm gonna nick this off Eamon. Ayman, are you listening? I'm nicking this idea off you. So if you have to uh, grab a page and frame it on your wall, what would it be, man?
1: Oh, that's a really unfair question. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Um, It's it's a section of the book that we haven't actually talked about at all. Oh, okay. Is this the sort of ship abstract stuff, I'm guessing? Yeah. Oh, good, yeah. Yeah, it's the crossing of the channel. That's a beautiful... Um, the, the, the... It's
0: just so atmospheric. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's um, misty shapes, yeah. but he gets them so right, doesn't he? Mm, yeah. In scale. I think
1: I like... I like the page where they almost collide with the hospital ship. Yeah, yeah. That's really powerful. There's some really powerful... But his rendering of the dog on the page opposite that is probably my favourite rendering of the dog throughout. It's like it's seen seen through mist and then there's a close-up where the body of the dog is completely faded. It's like a smudge, but the face of it is clear. Yeah, and there's a clarity in the eyes too that's my favourite rendering of the dog all the way through I think nice one man
0: yeah for me it's going to be I'm slightly obsessed with the way that his face is drawn in this um the open clean you know there's no spark in his red eyes and it's page 65 it's where he walks into the forest of um the forest of sort of blood uh to find the kingfisher egg and he's surrounded by it and
1: uh I don't know. I just. Uh... I like that his eyes are red in that. Yeah, that's one it of makes, things. It makes you wonder if the brambles are inside his head. That's true. And you're seeing it through his eyes. Yeah,
0: yeah, that is true. And it's just a just a forest. But I yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the one page that always, I, I read this on. Um, I got got sent it during the day. And I was desperate to review it, and I was so tired, and I was on like the you know the half ten eleven o'clock drunk train out of <laughs> St Pancras. And <laughs> uh, the um, I remember reading this, and I ended up putting some headphones in because there's a load of the Luton crowd on the train. And uh, I remember this this page really stuck out to me at the time. It's the one of the ones I featured in the review, and it's just it's just it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: On oh, that page where he's reaching through towards the eggs exit, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is, and you really feel it, don't you? You really feel his outstretched arm and he's reaching, reaching, reaching. Yeah, just just beautiful stuff. And he draws hands so well, doesn't he? Those hands, yeah, incredible. They're sort of
1: twisted though, aren't they? They're yeah. Something. Like, yeah. It reminds me a bit of that
0: um, it... South, bank the famous South Bank, you know, with the electricity fires out of the hand. At the start of the South <laughs> Bank show, there's a bit of that there somewhere, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: We didn't even talk about the chapter that's really sketchy, about the young boy dying. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: there's so much know. to it. How many pages is this? It's uh, 112 pages, there you go. So it's
1: not super it long, like is it? Coming, but... No, it isn't super long, but the, the physical edition, I, I had to check myself every time I turned the page, because the stock is so thick.
0: Right, okay, yeah, I get you. That's what you want, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they're big pages, aren't they, as well? They're, they are. They are yeah. huge. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Thank you for that. That's absolutely brilliant. I expected that one. So I was really looking forward to tonight, actually, because I was expecting you to, to pull out the big guns on that one, my friend. Um, well, I was going to do an advert about prostitution or heroin or something. I think we'll probably end, leave that one for just for the day. <laughs> just in case Mr McKeen ever listens to this. He thinks, why have you done an, why have you done an advert about prosies? You know, I'm going to say <laughs> I'll save that for next one. I'll save that for what I'm doing with Richard Sheaf next week. There you go. He enjoys a <laughs> prostitute or two. Good. He doesn't really. That's a joke. Sorry, Richard. Um. So you're always busy, man. You're always busy doing things. Whenever I speak to you, you're always busy. So what? What's what's currently on the uh, the slate at the moment?
1: Man? Oh, I'm I'm really trying to slow down a bit. Um, yeah. I had an interesting week this week. Um, I've I made a little story for my kid. Oh, nice. Early. And it's you'll love it. It's got unicorns in it. Oh, brilliant.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I write a anyway, good unicorn, I don't know if you've heard.
1: Yeah, I'll have to have a look into it, see if it can influence the next one. <laughs> Leave it for another, okay. I'm going to say about another 12 years before you show her my, my unicorns here. Yeah. Yeah. She's got this little, uh, my, my sister made her a little woollen rabbit, and she used to lose it all the time, so I made up a little story about this, the adventures that it goes on every time she loses it. Oh, nice. And so did you make and... it into a comic, did you? Or? Uh, I didn't, it's a prose book. Oh, nice, okay. And I turned it into sort of a, a illustrated chapter book for her, and um, I've just I whacked that on Amazon about two weeks ago now, and Amazon, in their um, infinite wisdom, for some reason decided to categorise it under erotica. I saw you did this. Yeah, you, know, so you were <laughs> tweeting about this, and
0: what the fuck? You've, uh... been, you've been hanging
1: about with me. There's some algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and I had a week of back and forth emails with this Amazon customer service guy going. i don't understand what's going on and they kept going you've put the setting in the setup of the book you've chosen erotica and i kept sending them screenshots going i've put it under kids literature i don't understand why it's under erotica and (laughs) i was back and forth back and forth and i think of the sales details of it yeah (laughs) well i kept checking the details of it going i've put keyword toy rabbit is that where the problem is
0: Oh, right, yeah, could be, couldn't it, yeah. I'll just imagine some dude, you know, some dude in, I don't know, let's make up a country, North Germany, uh, you know, yeah. sitting on the couch with his trousers around his ankles, and he's reading your book, and he's going, this ain't helping.
1: Well, after that tweet, our, our friend John Otway goes, oh, that's my order cancelled, and I just tweeted back to him, saying, see it as a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> he is a murderer,
0: we know that, yeah, for a fact. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely. yeah. <clears throat> it's in the eyes. <laughs>
0: He's got, he's got himself a joker face mask today as well. So he's not doing your, you know, the rumours of you being a murderer, John, any good, this, is it? I'm yeah. starting
1: to feel really uncomfortable with the joke, because it's going to get to a point where he's going to make us all look really silly by actually murdering someone. Yeah, I've proved it now. He will, and yeah. he will enjoy that joke.
0: Yeah, it's like if you if you keep calling people Nazis, eventually they invade Poland. That's what happens, <laughs> Yeah. <you
1: know. laughs> so anyway, yeah, I've, I've written a kid's book, um... I, I had a discussion with a, with my boss, actually, going with this little thing, and she goes, oh, it reminds me of that episode of Friends where Phoebe's out on a date, and the guy goes, I write erotic write write literature for children. She goes, you're that guy now. <laughs> <laughs> that That's weird.
0: The second Friends reference today, because somebody messaged me today <laughs> saying Black Friday's shit. I really don't want a Central Perk T-shirt. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what else are you What else are you up to, man? Have you got any, have You got any lettering jobs on the on the go at the moment? Or
1: I have. Um, I got my comp copy through today of Sagas of the Shield Maiden. I don't know if you've seen that one floating about. I Ace haven't seen that one. Together. Yeah. it's a really nice. Book. I think Vince really bought good. that one.
0: Yeah, he was telling me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Vince yeah.
1: Bought it. I think Dan got it as well. Actually, hmm. he tweeted about it today. Um, after I said I would got mine, I'm really happy with it. It was really fun to work on.
0: Oh, nice. Good stuff, man. Yeah.
1: One of those jobs where. Oh, everyone's so good that it just makes your job so much easier
0: oh good that's good <laughs> leaving space leave space yeah,
1: yeah. not just that. it's just i don't know there's something really indefinable about findable <clears throat> indefinable about people that have been around comics long enough to know what to do do you know what i mean yeah it's really difficult skill to hone in on um uh but then again i've got i'm working on a, a book for a first time writer and it, it obviously uh, the the team's sort of still learning with his script and everything. And it's a really interesting challenge to sort of help someone realize some of those aspects. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sort of lettering it and going along and we're having a discussion back and forth, you know, about maybe we should do this, maybe we shouldn't do that. And it's sort of hopefully helping him with his next script in a way.
0: Oh, good stuff, man. Yeah, really? I don't know. You're yeah. very, you are a very interactive liter- letterer. We have, we've had a few backwards and forwards yeah. about stuff you've let on mine. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think you got to be that way. I, I hate these letterers who just sort of bash them out. Do you know what I mean? I do. Oh, I've done ten yeah, comics yeah. today.
1: Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, I do read that. And well, it's oh well, we're not going to go into the six one six documentary, are we? <laughs> <laughs> Sleepy Dan. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that was really tongue in cheek? I
0: think it. I think it was. They thought it was funny. <laughs> Nobody else did. Yeah. Oh, who knows, man? Who knows? I. I just roll my eyes and think. I'm just gonna read Daredevil. Fuck it. I'm yeah. just gonna read it. You know? Who cares?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. So I've got a few bits of lettering on. Um, yeah. Finished one for Sidesy. Sidesy's book should be coming out soon. Oh, um, Gunrunner. Gunrunner. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, we did an episode. it has got. Him.
1: Pretty- yeah, he's got a few more things on the horizon as well.
0: Good 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 stuff. He lives near me, the, the utter bastard yeah. that he is. Yeah, he's a good lad actually. We meet up for a coffee every it's... often.
1: Yeah. I do, I do try and keep in touch with him as much as I can. Um we know, we missed our big pie, so our yearly yeah, party, yeah, didn't was we? Sad we always
0: meet at for a barbecue. You, yeah. you there's, there's like nice... what, ten of us, twelve of us, and uh, yeah, you're yeah. always there with your good lady and it's always a good chuckle in there. a fucking walk yeah. away laughing. But yeah. yeah.
1: I did miss that this year. Yeah, I know. Um, well, I'm hoping, fingers I've crossed for got... the vaccine, that
0: we'll ever will be a back at conventions. Have you booked your Thought Bubble hotel for next year yet? No. No. Okay.
1: No. I didn't plan. I didn't plan on going this year. Actually. Oh. Okay. I was give it a miss. So. Um. I ah, will see. We'll I'm, see. I'm a bit too cautious to start booking stuff yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else am I working on? Oh, I've got a little cognition zine. Oh, nice. Okay. It's like I, I wrote a little all ages script for it, which is like a case file. Okay and it's it starts off as like a report and then it segues into a, a, a few comic pages to sort of continue the story and then it ends up in sort of a reporty summary and i've i've figured out a way where i can sort of hand make the zine to make it look like a buff folder oh nice stuff man yeah. so cuz you did that sort of it.
0: classified document before didn't you with it yeah yeah
1: so this is going to be a proper sort of home printed handmade little zine out of who's this drawing it uh, bp johnson ben peter johnson oh, yeah. i don't know you know,
0: I've heard of him. I don't. I can't remember heard what I've him. seen, but I know. I certainly know the name. Yeah.
1: Yeah. he Used to do some. I think it was Blythe Moria or something like that. He used to put sort of little collections of funny things out. But he okay. worked. He he did some work in Slice, and he's a really. He's he's got a really interesting line. He's really cartoony, and his take on um, the robot and the mouse are uh, really nice. Oh, nice. Do you ever and, have uh, those
0: late night pangs and think oh, I might
1: do another Slice? Do you ever think that occasionally, or is it? No, never. <laughs> <laughs> what you've asked me there, Tony, is do you, do you ever fancy editing a book? Uh, edit editing a small press anthology again, Ken? Do you ever fancy
0: herding a load of like fucking annoying cats? Yeah. yeah have, you, okay.
1: have you ever thought of of, of putting your thing, putting your arm in a shark's mouth at all? <laughs>
0: <laughs> never stuck your cock in crazy, my friend. Dan Dan tells me that weekly. It's his little instruction to me. Good.
1: No, I'm. Um... I'm genuinely really really proud proud of what we did with Slice. I, I think it's marvellous,
0: man. I think it's brilliant, and it's a lovely three volumes, isn't it? It really is. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it was one of those things that I don't know if something indefinable might have happened, but it could have it could have been one of those things that really ran and ran and ran and, ran and, and went really big, but it didn't quite click that way. But I'm, I'm really really proud of the volumes that we got out, and some of the work in there is still, and, and you can still go and read it. All oh, it's all for, it's all still. Yeah. I yeah. still maintain obtain the website and keep that going. It's all still there. And it's um, not only
0: on there, it's also on um, Comic House as well. You can go and read it, can't you? It's, it's often cool. where I go I've and look. i it on quick on quick there as well. Scans through there. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, I was sort of dipping my toe back. I'd, I'd had quite a few years off from making comics and uh, that's where I dipped my toe in to start again. And yeah, I, I found it a really friendly, experimental environment, man. I think there's some there's some yeah. great people in there, really are, yeah. I
1: do, I do miss anthologies. I don't miss anthologies. I, as an idea, I yeah. think, there should be more small press anthologies. Yeah. But they do need editors that attract the yeah. right people. I think we need work. them
0: because people now just throw themselves into long form comics Yeah, and don't quite often grasp it. But if you have someone who's quite happy, you know, as a hobby to guide them on a five pager, I think that's why yeah. stuff like dog breath and Zajaz is so successful. I think because they do that, I think that's fine. I'll tell you what's a good example of that man and something you're involved in is space warp you know, yeah I think, I think that's another one that a lot of not newcomers but a lot of sort of fairly you know not not sort of super pro artists were involved and they got mm. they got you know taught stuff as they went along and I know Pat threw himself into being you know a mentor to these people, and I think that's yeah. what's needed a lot of the time
1: that the trouble is with these projects that is what needed you need that central person yeah that uh, makes me uh, makes me sound like I was too central to that because I always I like to think that with sliced I was that central person to the people that contributed to it yeah but anyone that read it it didn't really matter if they didn't need to know who I was. I get Do you know man. what I mean, yeah, yeah. I, it was never it was never a vanity project of I'm editing this thing.
0: We should have called it Ken Reynolds, you know, sliced, I think that one uh, absolutely. yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, no, I get it you man. Been my, yeah, like 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 those uh Stephen King books, you don't actually know what the title of the book is. It's just Stephen King. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bubbles de vere. <Villa. laughs>
0: yeah, no, I get the, you, man. That's, that's... good.
1: The trouble is that is where a lot of small press anthologies fall down. Is you do need that central person to be committed to it for a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we well we we know what life's like. It, it is a very challenging thing to keep going.
0: Oh yeah, completely. I mean, we had another planning meeting for Hercules Four today, and uh, yeah, we I mean we 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 literally spent an hour talking about who we'd like to offer the backup strip to, you know, <laughs> and we still didn't find anyone. <laughs> yeah because we just that tonally it has to be yeah I know what you mean man yeah I know what you mean cool thanks for that dude absolutely brilliant um one of our longest episodes that unsurprisingly but there you go um <laughs> have a um have a look at Ken's stuff where can we find you Ken?
1: uh you pretty much find everything on UK.
0: cool and if you're on Comic House you can find Slice and other other comics just search for Ken Reynolds on there um and where are you on Twitter babes?
1: uh it's at ReynoldsKR20 I think is. What it is. Okay, cool. Uh, if you look look um, look on
0: Tinder under K Dog, um, D A W G, you'll find him on there. Um, <laughs>
1: okay. you, you can find Luckily, me. My wife's left the room. Now.
0: <laughs> you can find me. Uh, you can pre order. We've got still two more days left of the pre order for uh, Atomic Hercules 3. Thanks to everyone who's ordered it. over the moon with the reception. We actually surpassed the number of pre orders we got from the Kickstarters we ran, which is great. Uh, you go to <coughs> Sorry, mate
1: publicity stunt. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> you know, you're the, the first person to challenge me with that, but I genuinely, I, I might have to frame the email, I think, or something like that I'm going to take a picture of it. Yeah, Yeah, no, yeah, no I, I might, we might go that way next one. I might actually commit a crime <laughs> yeah. or something to say. Uh, um, Trying
1: to get banned from Indiegogo.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, actually. Even the haters were giving us good publicity. You know, we've got a couple of people who were like, like and we've got a ting, ting, two more buys. Oh, yeah, thank you for joining. T- <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can go to atomichercules.com Um, or you can go to tributepress.bigcartel.com for anything by Tribute Press Uh, for anything by myself Dan or Vince you can go to neverironanything.bigcartel.com because we've uh, finally sorted our shit out and we've got all our books on Mm a one shop so we're pretty pleased with that and thanks to everyone who's bought some stuff off that over the Thought Bubble weekend good thanks Ken as always a great pleasure mate and um, I'm sure we'll have a chat in a minute about another book because that was uh, very insightful thanks dude